0: Welcome to Lead Together, the podcast designed for Christian men and women striving to lead more effectively at home and work. In a world of constant change and demand, it's common for couples in leadership to feel disunified, unprepared, or reactive. That's why we're here, to guide you with practical leadership skills to increase your impact in all your spheres of influence. We are your hosts, Nick and Kim Bogardis. Hello and welcome to the Lead Together Podcast. We are your hosts, Nick and Kim Bogartis, and this is Season 1, Episode 1.
1: Minute 1.
0: <laughs> In this episode, we'll go give you an overview of what we hope to make this podcast and give you our background and some things we're passionate about and have learned along the way.
1: Mm-hmm. So... In terms of the podcast, why we're doing it, it kind of comes out of the work we've been doing through relational leadership for the last few years. We've seen that a lot of couples in leadership feel disunified, unprepared, reactive because of the relentless demands of work and leadership and family, particularly in the midst of change. And so we want to speak as a couple, because, you know, the majority of of training or learning available is for individuals, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a podcast or, you know, a book for your particular niche of work, or it's home specific, maybe, you know, again, podcasts or blogs or whatever that are specific to the home. We want to, we want to speak to couples who want to grow their relationship, their leadership in both domains. Mm -hmm. And so then the content is also going to be focused on practical leadership. And so, you know, You can go get therapy or counseling if you're struggling in your marriage, but there's not a lot of resources out there specifically tailored to practical help to help couples lead better together. And we want to help change that. So it's couple-centric, very practical leadership. And by doing that, we want to unify husbands and wives in leadership by
0: integrating work and home. Yes, everybody is leading something. So don't turn away if you think, "Oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mom and I'm not a leader." You are a leader to those children, Mm -hmm. or you know whatever. I just lead in work, but no, it looks different when you come home. So, anyways, we like to integrate that. Yeah, we have to do that together. We just work together.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A a common thing I've seen is you know a lot of guys might crush it at work and then not do great at home, right? Because they don't, they just don't take the competency that they have in that domain and bring it home in mm. a, you know in a way that's appropriate for that domain this is one way we can help um, yeah so we want to unify husbands and wives in leadership by equipping them with practical leadership skills so they can face the opportunities in front of them with a renewed sense of unity purpose and a plan <laughs> together
0: Nick's reading from our upcoming book No, just just <laughs>
1: <laughs> one of my superpowers is taking something fun and making it formal, so bear with me as I read that. <laughs> but but I want like to get the why. Well, yes. they'll yes. you know over time they'll hear that come out in the things that we talk about. So yeah. as far as like, thinking through what the podcast could be, we're thinking about a few different kinds of episodes, and yeah. you know, as you know, for those of you guys who are listening, we'd love your input and participation in this. One type of episode would be one we call Lead Together, where we discuss marriage and parenting and relationships. Another type of episode would be one called Office Hours, where we would answer questions on leadership, strategy, or relationships. Yeah. Another one would be Leaders Corner, where we do interviews and discussions with experts or other leaders to bring their insights to you. And mm-hmm. then lastly, one called Situational Awareness, where we would do commentary on current events or trends related to leadership, strategy, and relationships. Love um, it. So yeah, we'd love your input and questions along any of those kind of categories.
0: Now, but for this one, we just want you to get to know us. That's right. Snuggle up somewhere, get a cup of tea, let's dive in. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I want to make it, you know, those therapists that have those good voices that make you feel comforted? You won't get that here. Uh -uh. But let's start with our background and kind of lessons we've learned through what we lived. That's something we say a lot, actually, in our coaching is... What you have lived matters and it shapes who you are. And what we've noticed as we kind of share our story is so much of what we're passionate about and what we value has come out has come out of the lessons that we've learned through all the different experiences that we've had mm-hmm. in different places. So come along on our journey. I was raised in a one red light town in East Texas and came to azusa pacific university for college and let me tell you going from your town shutting down on a friday night football game to la freeways is very intimidating (laughs) i think i screamed with my mom in the car the first time i had to drive on the five freeway and merge in traffic it was Mm -hmm. awful (laughs) Mm -hmm. never learned how to do that broke a few rules for the texas dmv we'll save that story for another time but it was a big shift going from texas to california and Azusa was phenomenal. I got saved in junior high and always wanted to learn more about God, but there wasn't really space or time for me to do that, I think, well in high school. And so I wanted to go to a Christian university, and Azusa had phenomenal professors. I had such a blast just being around Christians, learning from them, studying the Bible. But I studied media media relations, so photo, TV, film, radio, that was kind of my particular sphere out of communications, which is what my degree's in. But through that, I learned how to tell a really good story, whether that was through photojournalism or, you know, film writing. And also through the communication side, I learned how to relate well. What does it look to listen to, you know, practice nonverbal and verbal communication and good public speaking and all of that. That was, there's still two of my favorite things, you know, relating well and telling a good story. Mm -hmm. And I think those were very formative for the rest of my life in terms of what I've gathered there. During my time there, I also got to travel. So I went to Mexico and Russia on missions trips. And that was really, really huge in terms of adaptive leadership. How do you take those skills of storytelling and relating well in different cultures across languages and those kind of barriers? And that led me to sign up for the Peace Corps where I was sent to Mongolia. And that I think was huge in terms of really understanding in order to have any kind of impact. It's over a longer period of time. I mean, I'm all for there's short-term mission trips and things that are great, mm-hmm. but to have lasting impact on someone's life really is small <laughs> daily things over a long period of time. You can't microwave impact. Who you can cannot. Yeah. I mean, it takes a long time to build trust, right? They're like, who's this white girl coming in, thinks she knows all these ideas. They would never say that. They're like, the sweetest, most welcoming, hospitable people I've ever met. But it it was really eye-opening. But again, how do you learn to speak to people in a way that they would understand, especially when you're the underdog, right? I didn't know their cultural, meaningful things that they would do there that impact. Yeah, traditions and and stuff that they've built on for centuries, right? And here I am coming in with my American ways. So really, how do you take a backseat? How do you learn? How do you listen? How do you understand, even if it doesn't make sense to you? And it was phenomenal. From there, we went to Seattle. You got a job in Seattle at Mars Hill Church, and I think the big takeaway in our time there, that was the first time I was in a small group, and those friends were phenomenal. They really taught me the value of friendship, especially in leadership, how lonely things can be at the top, but when you have people around you that understand you, that ask good questions, that are vulnerable, how unifying that can be, and those relationships were absolutely mm-hmm. invaluable in our in mm-hmm. our marriage, right? Yeah. I think in Seattle we learned how to strengthen our marriage through vulnerability mm-hmm. and finding good friends that could do that. You know, we had a yeah. friend that Nick and I at this point, we'd been married a couple of years. We had lived overseas and we would still have the same arguments. If you've been there, we get it. <laughs> it's hard. Those repetitive arguments. And I think I reached a breaking point. And it was the first time, you know, because we didn't have many foreigners with us when we were overseas and I remember trying to ask one sweet couple that we had, hey, when you guys fight? And she was, oh, we don't fight. And I was like, oh, okay, I have zero help. (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't, you know, they wouldn't even go there. And so being able to have friends where we could say, hey, we're still fighting about this. And for them to be, you're being an idiot. Don't Mm. you see what you're doing? And just Mm. lay us bare was so helpful.
1: Yeah, leadership is lonely. And those friendships were, uh, I mean, just incredibly helpful. But also in leadership, you don't get the truth all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's helpful to get those, for those friendships to give you the truth when you need it the most. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I think that was the big lesson for me there. And then we came to orange County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After Seattle, we moved back to orange County where Nick is born and raised. And for, we planted a, our own church cross of Christ. And we got to do some phenomenal training for ministry. And one of those was soul care Institute, which really helped us. I think for the first time, Understand ourselves and our limitations and being able to set boundaries and have appropriate rhythms that leaders need for rest and rejuvenation and the importance of friendship. Body theology was something we talked about, which I'd never heard of before that time of just listening to your body to understand what some of your needs are and assessing that. So it was really probably the most formative Mm self-awareness training that we went through for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from there, I got a Certificate from the John Townsend Institute in Concordia for executive coaching and consulting, which was kind of building upon that Soul Care Institute of understanding yourself and translating that into how do you do that for others? How do you turn leaders Mm -hmm. into the best versions of themselves by kind of really building upon that self-awareness phase? Mm -hmm. So that's what I've learned. Those are some of the big takeaways, the things we're still passionate about. We've also been homeschooling since 2018. And that was something we never thought would be a part of our story, but I think has absolutely shaped us. And I'll probably come out in future episodes with some of that knowledge. But I think from all those different experiences, it's made me passionate about wholehearted leadership. How do do you integrate all those different avenues, right? Of sitting with someone, attuning to them, understanding them, telling a good story, relating well, knowing yourself, having self-awareness, how do you do that spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, kind of integrating that into all those different spheres to have congruency as a leader. Mm -hmm. The second thing that probably came out of that is... keep
1: The opposite of that would be compartmentalized. Right. Right.
0: I'm great at work, not at home. You already talked about that, right? Or I'm really healthy in this sphere and I know a lot in this, but Mm -hmm. totally neglect these other aspects Mm -hmm. of of my body and in my domain. So,
1: or I'm really emotionally healthy, but I'm not effective.
0: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: We, yeah. You, you, we, we tend to, you know, maximize our strengths and, and kind of neglect our weaknesses or be blind to them. Mm. And I think, you know, you're really good at, at drawing people out to reflect and then take action on those things.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The second thing I think that kind of came out of all those different experiences is understanding the importance of hospitality. Keeping, we like to say, we keep the table central. We think a good meal is one of the most disarming ways to build relationship. You know, we love, love having neighbors over and hearing their stories and just sharing a good meal and being able to connect in that regard. I think we've learned a lot about hospitality in Mongolia, of all places, because they were very generous and welcoming to these outsiders. And then going to Seattle and really learning about how to cultivate a good meal, not just mm-hmm. be hospitable, but also how do you make something that tastes good? Mm-hmm. And some, we still have friends, right, that are, dude, Red Robin till I die, and they don't care about our seafood tacos, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll eat it. But yeah. there's a difference, right? But talk
1: about the first time you showed up at a small group. <laughs>
0: These girls are so awesome. We moved to Seattle. Granted, we had come from Mongolia, right? So two and a half years in this nation, and it was awesome, but very different. Not a lot grew there because of the winter, and it was we were living on rice and potatoes and onions and horse meat that we bought at an open market. It was very different. I show up to this small group in Seattle, and they're like, great, we'll start with our rosé and our oyster hour, and then we'll move into... <laughs> our beef wellington and carrot souffle and I was like I don't understand the words coming out of your mouth and it was so intimidating and it honestly was a pivotal moment for me in terms of food I mean we've never experienced food culture we did in Seattle Mm -hmm. right it was first with coffee and Mm -hmm. being I've never had a cup of coffee taste this in my life (laughs) this
1: isn't burnt (laughs) what what is this magic
0: (laughs) (laughs) But from there, really, they're so good about mm-hmm. using, the, I mean, so much, you know, cool stuff grows up there, mm-hmm. you know, fruits and veggies because of all the rain that we can't, you know, cherries and raspberries and all the stuff. We It's harder to grow down here in California, but, and being on the water, all the seafood, I mean, it was phenomenal to utilize what's in their geographic location, mm-hmm. but to the ump degree. So food is not only just a necessity, but it can taste really good. Yeah.
1: What I hear you saying is, you know, just the 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 joy and intentionality of creating a meal yeah. that is good and yeah, I don't know, delicious, healthy, yeah. Yeah. all that stuff. But in order that you could be hospitable to people yes. and, and build relationship with them, and so I also want to ask, I mean, how did you see that in our leadership? How does that? Why does that matter in leadership?
0: Why does hospitality matter yeah. in leadership? Yeah,
1: and how did you see it play out? In, in places where we've led?
0: Gosh, I think it just avails others to see even the mundane stuff of this is what our home looks like come into our chaos, right? Mm-hmm. We had three kids under four mm-hmm. when we planted a church and we were hosting people multiple nights a week in our condo. Mm-hmm. And it was, okay, watch me grab a broom and sweep up mm-hmm. all this stuff on the floor. I mean, there was an element of letting them into your space, which is probably a level of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. and But also offering comfort. I think there's something about... I said, just food and in general that is disarming and a great place to start. There's something that we've talked about. This memory is always attached to senses, mm-hmm. right? So even people, when we do our strengthening marriage course that we do in the spring and the fall, have people over. We always give them tea, and it's so funny because I remember this last time you were. No one's gonna want tea; it's still hot. And they <laughs> and everyone grabbed a cup. And mm-hmm. there's just a sensory thing about. Sitting on a comfy couch with a cup of tea, and let's dig into your marriage. There's Mm -hmm. like an element there of I don't know comfort that comes, Mm -hmm. and with vulnerability Mm -hmm. and that's disarming around a meal.
1: I think even you know it it played it did play a very significant role in our leadership in building those relationships and creating a context for you know training and Mm -hmm. growing together. But I think even you know. Personally, at Subsplash, the team was entirely remote. Mm-hmm. My team was all over the U.S., mm-hmm. and there was one instance where we got to have some of them in our home. That's true, and it was incredibly—it was powerful because I was no longer a head on Zoom. You know, it, 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 it's it was a big head on yes, Zoom. It wasn't a set of pixels. Yeah, they were—they were in our home, and we cooked for them, and it was—it it built a. a It's just a different level of trust that didn't exist before.
0: Yeah, it really does do something. It does. So yeah, wholehearted leadership, table essential. And then I think lastly is just lifelong learning. I said, I mean availing myself to so much knowledge at college where, you know, I came from a, a tiny town where most of my teachers weren't accredited into this university model. How do I glean knowledge from these these other people? And going to Mongolia, okay, what does it look... Other cultures can see things totally different. How do I absorb some of that information in ways that they do things that might even be better than what we do? And then, of course, seeing that in homeschooling, that's part of the, the reason we started homeschooling our kids was watching their love for learning diminish. And we never wanted that. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a big piece is how do we keep learning? How do we follow our curiosity mm-hmm. to allow us to grow? Because mm-hmm. I think when we stop, I mean, that's where you hit these plateaus, right? Whether that's in leadership mm-hmm. or relationships, it takes a level of curiosity to to grow. We just say calculated risk, right? Or mm-hmm.
1: Take calculated risk. Yeah,
0: take yeah. calculated risk. Yeah. Whether that's relationally or whatever, mm-hmm. exploring a topic that's new or foreign to you. Mm-hmm. Whether that was me in Seattle, how do I learn how to make some of these foods to relate to these people or make mm-hmm. it better, or how do I understand these cultures or customs? There's a level mm-hmm. of risk that comes in learning. of I could blow it and totally suck at this, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to try anyway and I want to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I see you do that with the kids. I mean, you're kind of you're constantly teaching them and just throughout the day asking them questions and showing them things and I think you've you've woven that through all the homeschooling I think there's two stories around this lifelong learning that at least I brought into our our exploration of homeschooling and that was you know a friend of mine that I used to work with who was 24 at the time he was a great project manager and I asked him Mm. hey how did you get so good at project managing and he said well I was I was homeschooled part of the time growing up and every year my parents would have me do a project. And mm-hmm. so, you know, one year, for example, one year I we like, what do you want to do? And he's I like, wanna put a I wanna put a fish pond in the backyard. <laughs> and they're like, Okay, well you design it, you yeah. scope it, you budget it, you get the materials, you build it from basically from concept to completion. Yeah. He was responsible for that. And just Seeing that's a unique skill most right. kids don't get to learn when they're in middle school right. you know, and then see it come to you know full bloom in his early 20s right
0: um, where it comes so naturally to him because he's yes. been doing it for years yeah yeah
1: or and then you know another friend of ours who owns a creative agency and they do you know work with massive you know amazon microsoft you know huge clients, corporations yeah. yeah and you know he just said to me one time you know and it's not a christian company he, he does work in general marketplace and yeah he was like, hey i found the best people i hire are Christians because when I go to these other companies and you know this was anecdotally I find that a lot of people stop learning after college they check the box of getting the degree and yeah. then it's just about doing enough in work to either climb the ladder or get by or whatever it is mm. whereas what he's found is with Christians whether it's being raised in the church and it's a part of discipleship, whatever is contributing to it mm-hmm. they're constantly learning and reading and taking notes and wanting to grow it's just a unique thing that we want to cultivate in our kids right so I think that lifelong learning is a yeah definitely great value
0: mm-hmm. Well about yeah, that's my story uh, mm-hmm, all the things
1: mm-hmm. mine I think the, the theme through each of the things I've done is I I, I build I build community around a deep conviction So, you know, I started with about a decade in the music industry, eight of those years. I was the managing partner of New Noise Management, and I started that out of my dorm room, built that from, you know, myself in a Hotmail account in the bedroom at my parents' (laughs) house into, you know, a uniquely successful company. We we developed multiple bands from basically the garage to main stage at Coachella, Letterman, Leno, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Unique success. That was, you know, really amazing to experience got to see a lot of the world got to you know work at a level of business i i, I had no <laughs> right to be at when I was, you know, 22. Growing that beard out. 20, yeah. yeah, I totally grew a beard out when I was 22 because I needed to look older because I was negotiating against people in their 40s. Yes. Um, you do
0: look like a small child whenever you have a smooth face. Totally. And
1: so there was, you know, an amazing, unique success at that mm-hmm. in that period of my life. But I also had the hard lesson of seeing that the success actually wasn't fulfilling. There was a lot of beautiful, good stuff about the work and mm-hmm. the friendships that I had. Absolutely. I yeah. loved the, the guys that I worked with and that team. It's a very 100%. tight-knit group. Yes. Yeah. But in my soul and in my heart, I, I there was always something gnawing that it, it wasn't enough. I think I was trying to find my identity in you know this success, and it just mm. was never enough. And so that was an early lesson there. From there, Kim mentioned I went to Seattle. I was the, the director of PR Media Relations at Mars Hill, and then a, the lead pastor of their Orange County campus, and again, a unique opportunity of really, I mean, operating at a level that was unique at one of the fastest, biggest growing you know, churches, churches in, that the, time, in, right? in the U.S., totally getting to, you know, get coverage for, for Mark and Washington Post and USA Today and Dateline So like that, overseeing the communications for a very large church, and then planting a campus of it and learning to lead in a multi-site, very complex model. And so I got to learn a lot of really great things about, about leadership in there but on the other side of that coin is I also learned some very hard lessons of leadership of what you know the impact of very negative leadership can be it's 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 far bigger than i think most people I don't know, imagine. allow for or imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also I learned my own my own contributions to that ecosystem. There were instances where I knew the right thing to do and I didn't do it or knew I needed to speak up on something and I didn't do it at some points. And those are hard lessons to learn when you're young. Mm-hmm. If, I don't want to make those mistakes again. I want to lead with integrity and do the right thing always. And so those are some hard leadership lessons for sure. Yeah. Then we planted Cross of Christ, Kim mes- mentioned in that was you know 8 years of taking those hard lessons and actually trying to do the opposite and cultivate and build something healthy and good and empowering and uh, well
0: that was the first time too i think you took all that self awareness and then you said great what what do i want to keep and what can i get rid of right and we've talked about this especially with parenting what do we emulate what can we let go of or do differently and mm-hmm. and that was the first time i think we had say and control moving forward of we were around some impeccable people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How can we emulate that? How do we keep the good? Yep. How do we release what we don't want to keep? And how would we do it differently this time? Yeah, That was the first time we could do that.
1: Yeah. There were tons of good, tons of really good leadership lessons in there. You know, we built a lot of processes and systems and leadership. <laughs> Next favorite words. I, well, honestly, I love <laughs> that stuff. I hate that but, stuff. Uh, but the things that we built as a small church were, were beyond what a lot of larger churches and organizations had, which was cool. It was it was fun to be able to build that and then help others with those tools, which right. is kind of what I did in in my most recent role, senior VP of marketing and leadership development. Again, a great learning experience being at a you know I don't know sixty million dollar company and leading the the marketing team there. It was a it was a crash course in software as a service and as a business and in marketing in that environment I learned a ton of great lessons about business it was Tremendous. Had an amazing team and got to develop them and apply some of those things I learned in ministry internally, building the company's first leadership development processes, to mm-hmm. building, helping build the first course for managers and stuff like that. And again, good, good lessons to learn there.
0: Yeah, one thing I think you did across all of them too, I don't know that new noise site as much, but in all the other spheres of the Mars Hill, Cross of Christ, SubSplash, is you to work collectively, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's we don't need to be the ones that have all the answers. Mm-hmm. We can have an idea, and then we can bring in other people to help make it a success, yeah. right? I remember you bringing in different speakers or the gospel and—not gospel and life, gospel and culture events that you would do, or oh, you yeah. would have people and you'd partner with other churches mm-hmm. all across Orange County or— different interviews or speakers, all these things where you'd bring in insight Mm -hmm. and you would have an idea but wanted to work collectively for the common good.
1: Yep, I aren't. Aren't people who have the answer for everything super obnoxious? <laughs> but also, I'm. I'm also annoying. And when I get excited yes. about something, I want to share it with. That's like a
0: but, dog a bone. Yeah, it's totally relentless. Yeah. yeah.
1: So a few of the things that you know, all of those experiences have kind of drawn out of things that I'm passionate about. The, the first is just gospel and culture. I love timeless truths made relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that was seeing this missionary in Mongolia who you know picture. Egon from the Ghostbusters, a tall, skinny, pasty Swedish guy with round spectacles speaking to a few hundred Mongolians, Asians in a developing country. He's in their garb. He's wearing their clothing, speaking their language, speaking in their vernacular and cadence and using their humor. I'd never seen anything. I'd never seen someone in... Yes. I'd never seen anybody embody another culture. So, I mean, just... Completely. Potently, yeah. yeah, it was it was tremendous. That's beautiful, but then seeing you know Mark do it in Seattle, seeing you know Chandler do it in the Bible Belt, seeing Keller do it in New York, mm-hmm. take timeless truths and apply them to a people and place in relevant ways, yeah. and that's, that takes time. It right? does take time. To your your point a few minutes ago, you can't have that kind of impact in a short term right. time period. Mm-hmm. But I think you know you might hear that and go, "Cool, that's great for ministry." But I think it's absolutely relevant to leading teams. I think you need to build teams on timeless truths because it's easy to get caught up in the fashions at the moment it's easy to get caught up on whatever current business trends or leadership books or whatever else you're saying you need to do and chase those things when it's much more helpful to build your team on on timeless. Truths. I mean, you do
0: this in family too, right? Oh, yeah, How exactly. many That's times good. do we That's go good. back and say, you hey, know, the kids always want to know why? Why can't I have this? What do we do? And it's going back to mm-hmm. our values as mm-hmm. a family. What do we care about? That's nice. Everyone out there is doing that. But here's what is meaningful for our family. And yep. this is why we do what we do, right? Yep. And being able to answer that, gosh, I used to hate this phrase that my mom was, she even had a nightshirt, you guys. So my brother and I were relentless with wanting to know why. And then I made one of these kids that ask why all the time. So if you have one of those, just understand that's a kid that really feels safe when they know where we're going. Right. But I would ask my mom, why can't I blah, 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 whatever it was. And she had this shirt that just said, because I'm the mom, that's why. And I, that answer would make me scream inside. And it was the funniest thing because she got so sick as she would just point at the shirt, not even answer me anymore. <laughs> but we need to know that, right? Why are we doing what we're doing? And yeah. if you can anchor that into something that is meaningful and that is a value to you and that is an integral part of what you do, it's so much easier to get on board for that.
1: Yeah. But I think also timeless and not just yes. fashion. Fleeting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Secondly, would be, you know, healthy effective leadership in the workplace and home. I'm I'm really passionate about that. And really it just goes kind of to Kim's language of being an integrated leader, but also an integrated person, you know, Mm. not being compartmentalized. We've had really good examples of this throughout our lives and in different parts of our careers. But I think, you know, the negative examples sometimes can be the most formative, unfortunately, especially for guys. We tend to learn through pain, right? (laughs) But I I remember there was a period of almost a year when we were planting Marshall Orange County, where I was traveling for three weeks out of the month. I was going to Seattle two weeks and, and going to Little Rock for one week. And, great trainings. Uh, great trainings. I mean, Wonderful I still, I still reference yeah. some of it to this day. However, it was when Eva was nine, oh, months, old. nine months old. You might have been pregnant with Edith. I was Edith. pregnant with yeah, Edith, and it was Eva's first Halloween. It's Halloween night. My dot, da- my first daughter's first Halloween, and I'm in John Wayne Airport, which is completely empty <laughs> because all the other responsible parents were at home with their kids, and I'm in the airport. <laughs> By myself, crying my eyes out, <laughs> just crying alone at the, at the gate because I was missing our daughter's first. We don't first really Halloween. care about Halloween, just and I don't care that. about Halloween. But it was like <laughs> seeing her in her little cute little puppy costume. Yeah, and, so good. You know, just
0: missing first, missing first. Yeah, the,
1: it was heartbreaking. Yeah, and that was kind of a consequence of you know a a, a culture that was not healthy that was really driven for growth above all else mm, and at all costs, costs. and. It took me a few more years to actually turn the corner from that lesson. But learning that hard lesson, that stuck with me for sure. I mean, that's
0: a big one, right? When we planted Cross of Christ that I talk about, where, what do we not want to keep? And part of that was having healthy rhythms and boundaries, mm-hmm. not letting one sphere totally dominate your life. Yeah. yeah. Right? Whether yeah. that's mental health, you know, all that yep. family time. Yeah. yeah. That was a big one.
1: Yeah. And that's a perfect segue into to my third one, which is, just basically integration of each kind of part of you as a as a person being able to address emotional spiritual physical mental health you know there was kind of a stigma for there's been a stigma and culturally in some pockets but particularly kind of in christian circles for a long time there was a stigma around mental health and you know seeing a counselor or doing anything like that i think that's by and large gone mm-hmm. uh, thankfully yeah that's um, so great but You know, sometimes we emphasize one of those at the expense of the other. So sometimes there's there's leaders who are, you know, really effective. This is the obvious one. Really effective at work, really bad at home, really bad (laughs) emotionally. Yeah, not not self-aware, emotionally not aware not great, right? That's not good. Then there's other leaders who are really emotionally aware and maybe really spiritually healthy, but totally not effective leaders. And they need help, which is with practical leadership skills, right? Whatever it is, it's about having it all intertwined. You know, a few, again, kind of hard lessons there that, you know, I I did a 360 review. Mm -hmm. You were were reminding me this of, and one of the comments came back from a peer that said, (laughs) you're getting fat. Don't get fat. (laughs) (laughs) This was was years ago, but uh, because I gained- God
0: for. Seattle, yes. okay. We wouldn't say okay. We would say, "Hey, be honest." But you can also say the same thing in a nice way, which I think <laughs> was lacking in this. But it was jarring and it super was jarring. Helpful. Yes.
1: <laughs> but I gained thirty pounds in my yeah. first year at Marshall because we year. were working so much and I was eating yeah. garbage and I wasn't exercising. No, and I there was no thirty time for pounds. That. And so this guy said, "Don't get bad. <laughs> but his reasoning was very kind. He's just because it it will be much harder to lose it once you gain it. Mm. And I started to realize, actually, it took me a few years to actually do anything about it. But what made me do something about it was I started to ask the question of, if I had to take care of my family in an emergency, in a high-pressure situation, if I had to carry my children or my wife, if I had to protect them, could I physically do it? And I couldn't look myself in the mirror and say, I could physically do it. And so Mm -hmm. I started to lose some weight and get Mm -hmm. functionally healthy to do that so that I could be a better dad. And I think it did make me a better dad. But then also, you know, to the emotional side, you know, one of the rhythms I I had for a period of time was going to a cabin in the mountains for about 36 hours. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe once a quarter, twice a quarter. Just
0: a man in the woods.
1: Yeah. But that that 36 (laughs) hours of silence and solitude put gas in my tank to... Help me push hard for the next forty-five days or whatever else.
0: Well, it's just the quiet too, right? <clears throat> yeah, like, the quiet.
1: Being able to shut down, not it, for me, it was emotionally and and spiritually helpful because I wasn't producing anything. Right, I'm wired to get it done. Go, go, go. And to be in a space where I didn't have to make anything, build anything, do anything, check any lists, anything like that, yeah. where I could just be, is incredibly helpful. And so that. It made me a better person, <laughs> just a better man.
0: Or even um, just clear your head. Yeah. Yes. To even be able to address these other yeah. areas of your life. Not that yeah. we're saying all of these need to be fire, you know, all these need to be perfect at all times. We're saying, of course, some are pretty good. They're in a spot where you're like, oh, I'm comfortable here. So I can focus more yeah. on this other area. Right. But recognizing how yeah. those are all intertwined.
1: And they're all impacting your leadership for better or worse. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. I mean, this is all, those are some of our stories, those yeah. are some of the values that come out of it. You know, I think even last, the last picture that comes to mind is, you know, in the garage we have a little banner that my friend Tim made us of our values, our so,
0: core values of the yeah, family.
1: Love, serve, create, protect. And yeah. we put it in there because that's where our home gym is. And so when the kids work out, we want them to want you to use your strength yeah. and be strong so that you for the can, good of others. So that you can love things. and serve and create and protect. And right. that's, that's part of that integrated piece. So it really
0: is how are you able to offer anything to anyone else if you yourself are so stunted? Yeah. And I think people don't think that, right? They neglect themselves and think that they're serving others and really yeah. the healthier you are
1: you're just shortening your timeline yeah 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 so you know in closing what are just what are some things you're learning or excited about why don't you go first okay i just talked
0: i know well i only have one really i couldn't think of others but i just joined a book club y'all and it's been phenomenal i've been wanting to do this for years and it's so fun again going back to that lifelong learner right of even just finding good stories there are good stories and i think that does something of allowing your creativity to flow but also there's just stuff to learn and when you get around a group of people, and you're talking about the takeaways of a book, uh, it's really, it builds each other up and it's insightful and super fun. So we just read this book with real light for our first book read, but it's called The Collected Regrets of Clover. And it's about a death doula. If you don't know what that is, it's Mm -hmm. kind of a birth doula and a birth doula helps, you know, hear out your wants for a birth and kind of bringing a child into the world and how you would want that to look. And a death doula does the same thing, kind of sits with you, listens they both you know act as an advocate for your hopes for that particular event and so the main character learns how to sit with people, hear them out and it reminded me of a phrase that we say all the time in our family which is people feel loved when they feel heard <laughs> and so the importance of loving others through listening and oftentimes i think at the end of life people have a hard time doing that it's it's uncomfortable and a topic that they don't address. And so they they often don't hear out what the person's desires are. And so really it was an interesting book about how to grieve well. And truly, I don't know if we do that super well in America. Okay. I think other cultures are, are better at that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot we can learn there, but what does it look to truly grieve and to mourn these relationships Our friend Alex Early says all the time, all of my wealth is in relationships Mm -hmm. and really watching and hearing all these stories about people at the end of life. That's the most important thing, right? Mm -hmm. Or the people that's around them at that time. And so really fascinating, you know, real light read about grieving and death, but really just got me thinking of how to do that well and how to build a life that's not filled with regret at the end Mm -hmm. of life, right? But really one that you're grateful for because of how you've loved people around you. So
1: that's good. For me, I to read history and biographies because I think they can prevent you from having to pay the dumb tax a lot of times as a leader. (laughs) And so I've been reading this book called Modern Times by Paul Johnson, which is basically all about the 1900s. And over the last few years, I've, I've read a lot of books written and essays written around the turn of that century because there are actually a lot of similarities between the circumstances of that time and our current moment. So, you know, for example, this is just one piece of it. But Paul Johnson talks about, and then there was an interview on Jocko's podcast where he interviewed a Polish guy who came out of communist Poland, who came to America with 10 cents in his pocket, became a Navy SEAL. It's an unbelievable story, but Mm -hmm. he tells a story about growing up in communism. Anyway, Paul Johnson in his book, and this guy Drago, both made the same point that when it comes to authoritarianism and tyranny, the ground is paved by basically dividing the population into identity groups. Hmm. And that was true, you know, Johnson talks about it, that that happened in Germany, the rise of Hitler and and Nazism. But it also, and that's the right, but then there's also on the left, that happened in communist Russia and what Lenin did Mm -hmm. there and in other countries around, you know, Eastern Europe. And so, again, just learning, man... There's some commonalities to our current moment.
0: How right. much history can repeat itself? Yes, right?
1: totally. And how do we avoid making the same mistakes? So, super interesting. We're yeah. also watching The Crown, and so it's been <laughs> fun to see some some overlap there. There's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's Modern Times by Paul Johnson. The second is I've gotten to preach at our our church a few times in in the last couple months, and you know we recently started going through the story of Joseph and Genesis, and there were just a, a couple of takeaways that were really helpful for me personally. You know, in the story of Joseph, there's a period when he gets sold into slavery and ends up being trafficked to Potiphar's house where God's not mentioned. He's not really... He's not
0: named in that story. He's not
1: named in the story. And, you know, the, kind of the big idea from that sermon was that God's silence is not his absence. Even when you can't hear or see what he's doing, it doesn't mean that he's not at work. Mm-hmm. That was really helpful for me, particularly in this kind of phase of life. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, just very interestingly, we can seeing a lot of data coming out now around smartphones and particularly their their impact on on teenagers and young adults. They've you know, finally we,
0: been around long enough that there's yeah, studies right. to actually see the impact.
1: That's right. And uh-huh. so we, you know, this is a conversation we have with a, with a lot of parents because we're all, you know... It's the age at least, of our kids right exactly. now. Exactly, it's, it's the age so of our kids. Hard. They're all asking for this stuff. How do we navigate it well? Yeah. And basically, the data coming from people, Jonathan Haidt, who wrote The Coddling of the American Mind, I believe he's at NYU or Columbia, and, or Jean Twenge, she wrote a lot of great books on generations, but she's at San Diego State. Anyway, the data that they're showing... Is that basically, the earlier you give your kids a smartphone, the absolute w- worse it is on their mental health, particularly for girls, mm-hmm. um, and particularly around social media. The earlier, the worse, and mm-hmm. and the later, even the data. One, one of the charts they had was kids who got a smartphone eighteen. Mm. Their mental health as adults was significantly better. Um, it had long-term as to positive one, 13, uh, thirteen,
0: twelve. 12 yeah. exactly. I mean, dude, just those this, extra years. Yes,
1: yes, of not being inundated by right. the dopamine hits of the entertainment or this, right. the you know the you know, social media comparisons, all that right. stuff. Like, and anyway. we've talked
0: about this even physiologically. You know, yes. of they at that age have an underdeveloped brain; it's mm-hmm. not there yet, and giving them something that can become so addictive. I mean, there's adults that struggle with addiction on these things and so integrating it earlier just allows more time for that kind of behavior that I mean lends itself to all sorts of troubles yeah
1: so you can go find those that research for yourself you know look for height or a gene twinge otherwise you can just take the very simple takeaway from this conversation of just (laughs) delay it (coughs) excuse me delay it as long as possible
0: yeah well close it up that's it for our show if you're an adult or above age and have social media come find us on instagram
1: (laughs) Oh, that's an awkward
0: segue. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Super we'll awkward. back as you said, don't uh, no. get it. And then we're like, you can find us on Instagram, but we are there. We would love Nick mentioned the different types of episodes we want to have. We would love to hear your input. What sort of things are you struggling with? What would you want information on? What questions do you have around leadership or integrating this in home and work? We would love to hear from you. So. <laughs> Most likely if you're listening to this season one, episode one, you already know it. So just text us. Yeah. <laughs> Send us an email.
1: Thank you guys for listening. Look Thank forward you. to what's coming.
0: See you next time, y'all.